Faith, Hope and Love, episode 173, the 20th Sunday of Ordinary Time, Year C. We believe that the Lord is the King of Peace and the Lord of Love. His kingdom values are about compassion, service, self-forgetting love, mercy and inclusion. Which is why the readings this weekend seem more than a little jarring. Our Lord says he has come to start a fire and wish it were blazing already. He warns of divisions, even in the closest relations. But of course, it's not our Lord who desires divisions and strife. Yet he needs to warn his followers that the conflict in values will lead to terrible persecution and, sadly, estrangements, even among family members. The price of peace would be watering down God's message and telling people what they want to hear instead of the truth, and that is unacceptable. But the values Christ represents are life-giving and beautiful and well worth the cost. This is Faith, Hope and Love. Turn your eyes, O God, our shield, and look on the face of your anointed one. One day within your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Hello everyone, and may our Lord's empathy abide in us on this twentieth Sunday of the year. We unite our mind and heart to offer praise, prayers and intercession to our loving God. As we come together as brothers and sisters, with confidence, let us ask the Father's forgiveness, for he is full of gentleness and compassion. Lord Jesus, you healed the sick. Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you forgave sinners. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you give us yourself to heal us and bring us strength. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Glory to God in the highest and on earth Lord Jesus.
Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father. You take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ. With the Holy Spirit in the glory, Let us pray. O God, who have prepared for those who love you good things which no eye can see, fill our hearts, we pray, with the warmth of your love, so that loving you in all things and above all things, we may attain your promises, which surpass every human desire. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Chapter 38, verses 4 to 6 and 8 to 10. The officials said to the king, This man ought to be put to death because he is discouraging the soldiers who are left in this city and all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the welfare of this people, but their harm. King Zedekiah said, Here he is, he is in your hands, for the king is powerless against you. So they took Jeremiah and threw him into the cistern of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guard letting Jeremiah down by ropes. Now there was no water in the cistern, but only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. So Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, an officer in the king's house, left the king's house and spoke to the king. My lord king, these men have acted wickedly in all they did to the prophet Jeremiah by throwing him into the cistern to die there of hunger, for there is no bread left in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, Take three men with you from here, and pull the prophet Jeremiah up from the cistern before he dies. The Word of the Lord Lord, come to my aid. I waited, I waited for the Lord, and he stooped down to me. He heard my cry. He drew me from the deadly pit, from the miry clay. Many shall see and fear. He set my foot upon rock. 
rock, and made my footsteps firm. He put a new song into my mouth, praise of our God. Many shall see and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. As for me, wretched and poor, the Lord thinks of me. You are my rescuer, my help. O God, do not delay. Lord, come to my aid. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Brothers and sisters, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus, who endured such hostility against him from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. The Word of the Lord My sheep hear my voice, says the Lord. I know them, and they follow me. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Chapter 12, verses 49 to 53. Jesus said to his disciples, I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord. You have to feel sorry for the poor prophet Jeremiah. It couldn't get any worse for him. The enemy is holding the people to siege. There's no way out. God tells his faithful prophet Jeremiah, This is what you must tell the people, and also tell the king. Surrender. Leave the city, or you will surely perish. This is definitely not what the king or his people want to hear. They want to keep resisting. They want to win. But Jeremiah will not tell them what they want to hear. There are plenty of others who will tell them what they want to hear, if not to save their own skin, and so as not to annoy, but in order to climb up the ladder of influence, 
or so they think. Jeremiah, however, only speaks God's word, and he does so at a great cost. So what do they say to him for doing his job faithfully? Let Jeremiah be put to death. He's disheartening the remaining soldiers. All the people too, by talking like this. The fellow doesn't have the welfare of the people at heart. It makes one wonder, how often have people throughout history been accused of disloyalty or lack of care for the welfare of others just because they see a major disaster resulting and just because they say what people don't want to hear? The problem for poor Jeremiah is that he can do nothing else but speak the truth, irrespective of the response. And so he gets thrown down a muddy well for his troubles and sinks deep into the mud and becomes hopelessly stuck. He will die there unless someone comes and helps him. And it is someone who does feel sorry for him and manages to drag him out with the king's permission out of that dreadful muddy well. There is a name in the Bible for people who tell others only what they want to hear. They're called false prophets. False prophets get pretty short shrift from God. Then by contrast we see the likes of Jeremiah, who are steadfast and devout. They speak God's word in season and out of season, irrespective of popularity. Ignoring whether people want to hear it or not, they simply must speak the truth. But just as there are false prophets who tell people things they want to hear, even when the truth is quite different, there are also false critics. These are people who go around telling people unpleasant things and telling things like it is, in a way that divides and hurts. These too are not necessarily real prophets just because they're getting rejected and causing fights and divisions. That would be a grave mistake to jump to that conclusion too. There may be people walking around with a kick me sign on them, whose words and behaviour almost provokes or invites rejection or uproar. The test of whether a person is being a faithful prophet to God's word is not that they're causing trouble and having to hire security guards, or not because they've ruffled others' feathers. Such people might just be self-defeating stirrers. The true test of a prophetic person is the consistency of their words and behaviour with that of Christ and his kingdom. And the whole picture, not just selectively chosen elements, Jeremiah spoke what God asked him to speak, and not just his own hobby horse, or for that matter, for a sense of pride in being rejected. That's the major difference. I also think to myself, if we're tempted to be challenging, we ought to start with ourselves, and challenge and unsettle the deep-seated pride and selfishness and enmeshment which we can find in our own hearts before we start trying to change the world and getting others offside. And also, no matter how true something is, no matter how much we want to fix up a situation or fix up a person, which is probably an unhelpful way of approaching matters, if we do not act with love and speak with love, it will, as St. Paul says, do us no good whatsoever. I doubt our words would have any effect unless we speak with truth and true love. True prophets are not self-proclaimed, nor are they self-appointed. And really, I think for us, first and foremost, we need to live the gospel more, 
certainly more than going around pointing out other people's errors. Putting the gospel values into action by our lives is one of the greatest acts of discipleship. Proclaiming the gospel by our actions. Now that's the kind of prophets we need. It's always struck me that our Lord went around doing good and living the gospel and it was most often others who followed him around saying, Why did you do that? Or stop doing that. Meanwhile, our Lord had already moved on to the next project for the building up of the kingdom and the next set of good works and actions. He indeed preached, but even more he acted. And mostly it was others who were doing the questioning and finger-wagging and running behind him, always behind, trying to catch up. A light example of this is Martha. She was rushing around busily, getting the meal ready and getting steamed up that Mary was sitting at our Lord's feet listening to him instead of helping her. Martha got flustered and asked the Lord to tell Mary to come and help her. He gently declined saying, Mary has chosen the better part. Martha's request was probably, in some people's ears, irritating and unpopular, but she was not speaking or acting prophetically by speaking out, even though she felt strongly about it. Just because we feel strongly about something and speak up to the annoyance of others doesn't make us a prophet, and doesn't make us right either. This theme continues in the Gospel, which seems to be one of those really challenging and confounding scriptures. For the most part in the Gospels we see Jesus as the good and gentle shepherd, and so he is. He usually tells wonderful parables like the foolishly doting and forgiving father of the prodigal son. And yet now in this passage there's a real shock. Our Lord says the surprising words, Do you suppose I'm here to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. This seems rather surprising, to say the least, and out of character. Surely we're not mistaken when we understand Jesus as loving, forgiving, gentle, peace-loving and forbearing. In other situations, our Lord speaks of peace and turning the other cheek and putting down the sword. So what's all this talk of division and fire? and setting one person against another, and families against each other. This is not the first passage where Jesus warns his disciples, or would-be disciples, to be very clear about what it means to follow him. Our Lord has warned his disciples, Be aware of the cross. It is unavoidable. Count the cost of what it means to following me, says the Lord. There is indeed a high personal cost to be paid for being a faithful servant of God. It is a very difficult role. Following Christ will lead to times of rejection, ridicule and opposition. Being a faithful follower of God's values will sadly lead to division and even the real possibility of alienation between family members and rejection from social structures and so much more. However, Jesus is really just warning his followers to be aware of what they're getting into. Our Lord is absolutely not encouraging or desiring conflict. He's not encouraging opposition and division, but rather he knows that there are no fence-sitters in the kingdom of God. You're either with him or against him. Jesus is declaring the sad reality that he and his wonderful good news that he's proclaiming and the kingdom of God that he's establishing which is filled with life and love will become a lightning rod to all who hate 
what the kingdom represents. Despite deeply desiring peace and love, and being the king of peace, he knows that people will line up on one side or another. This division, based on conflicting values, will not fall along just political or religious lines, but even filial, family lines, but will tragically mean that people of the same social standing, or people who belong to the same household, could quite likely find themselves opposing each other in their values and actions. Even, Jesus warns, the closest of family members might find themselves standing for different sides. Jesus just wants us to know the cost. He's not encouraging the cost, it's just going to happen, sadly. As the great scripture commentator William Barclay writes, Jesus' coming would inevitably mean division. In point of fact, it did. That was one of the great reasons why the Romans hated Christianity. It tore families in two. Over and over again a person had to decide whether he loved better his kith and kin or Christ and his gospel. The essence of Christianity is that loyalty to Christ must take precedence over the, even the dearest loyalties of this earth. One must be prepared to count all things as loss but for the excellence of Jesus Christ and his gospel. You know the real irony of all this? The divisions occurred because Jesus taught us to be gentle, to reach out to the outcast and offer the hand of forgiveness to the sinner. The conflict and division occurred because Jesus was really living the message of true peace. He was living the fullness of the new image of God's kingdom, which included all people. This led to the most virulent opposition by those whose interests were not served by such an otherworldly worldview. Jesus turned on its head the unjust and unkingdom-like standards which kept some people on the inner and a lot of people hopelessly left on the outer, with no way of getting back in. Those few who were the inside wanted things to stay just the way they were. It was very cosy and profitable for them as things were. No wonder Jesus went to great lengths to prepare his disciples for trouble. He taught them to be as wise as serpents, but as gentle as lambs. As Jesus reminds us in the Gospel, neither family ties nor fear of submitting to rejection, ridicule or persecution should stand in the way of salvation which comes from an uncompromising and very costly proclamation of the good news and of standing up for the truth as Christ taught it. The Apostles' Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen.
Jesus suffered and showed us the way to overcome the trials and problems of our life. It is with Jesus that we now pray. For the church, that it will find ever more effective ways to convince us that we can do something about the ills of this world. Lord, hear us. For those in authority, that they may treat all those under their care with patience, compassion and justice. Lord, hear us. For those among us who are suffering, that their example may inspire us to commit ourselves more deeply to the Lord's work and trust in his ways. Lord, hear us. For our community, that it may be a sign to all of the unifying love of Christ. Lord, hear us. For all who have died in God's love, that their witness may help us to live our faith, especially those for whom we now pray. Lord, hear us. Eternal God, you care for all of us. We ask you to help us in our struggles. We ask you to hear your people and comfort us in our pain. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Receive our oblation, O Lord, by which is brought about a glorious exchange, that by offering what you have given, we may merit to receive your very self. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For we know it belongs to your boundless glory that you came to the aid of mortal beings with your divinity and even fashioned for us a remedy out of mortality itself that the cause of our downfall might become the means of our salvation through Christ our Lord. Through him the host of angels adores your majesty and rejoices in your presence forever. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in one chorus of exultant praise as we acclaim, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. At the Saviour's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ.
For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats of this bread will live for ever. Let us pray. Made partakers of Christ through these sacraments, we humbly implore your mercy, Lord, that conformed to his image on earth, we may merit also to be his co-heirs in heaven, who lives and reigns for ever and ever. Amen. Thanks everyone for joining us for this special time of prayer and reflection. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Faith, Hope and Love, a time of Christian worship and reflection, led by Rev. Paul W. Kelly. Texts are used for the purpose of worship and prayer for listeners wherever you are. The Roman Missal, Prayers and Chants, 3rd edition, copyright 2010, the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. The Bible, New Revised Standard Version, copyright 1989 and 2009, National Council of Churches of Christ, USA. The Psalms, copyright 1963, The Grail, Collins Publisher. Prayers of the Faithful, Robert Borgs, Together We Pray, 1993, E.J. Dwyer, Australia. Mass for St. Ralph Sherwin, Jeffrey M. Ostrovsky, featuring The Gloria, copyright 2011, www Faith, Hope and Love theme, 1 Corinthians 13, 1-13, Original music, copyright 1996, Paul W. Kelly. For more details, please visit homilycatholic.blogspot.com.au Production by Kelly Enterprises Resources. May God bless and keep you.